Welcome to the PCOS podcast. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, degree qualified nutritionist. This podcast is a place to help show you how to reduce your PCOS symptoms. Getting diagnosed with PCOS can be super confusing. It typically comes with very little information about what the condition actually is and how to manage it long-term. In this podcast, we cover the keys to understanding what PCOS is, the best approaches to improving your PCOS, and of course, how to reduce your PCOS symptoms through non-medication-based approaches. If you've been recently diagnosed with PCOS or you've had PCOS for a long time and you're wondering, what the heck do I do now and what do I need to do to reduce my symptoms? This podcast exists to show you exactly that. Healthy weight loss, reduced cravings, more energy, less bloating. If these are all symptom changes that you would love to experience with your PCOS, here is your invite to join the PCOS Glow Up. One of our most recent clients said exactly this. I've been dieting for months without being able to lose weight. After one week of the PCOS glow up, I finally lost a kilo. Seeing that I've been able to shift stubborn weight in merely four to five days was insane. For a relatively small investment in your health, committing to just three weeks of following the PCOS glow up meal plans has the potential to change your life for the better. All you need to do is head to selendouglas.com forward slash PCOS hyphen glow up or head to the links in the show notes to learn more and join us today. If you have PCOS and you are planning for a baby in the next 12 months, here are five things that you want to consider. So this is the process, I suppose, and the different things that I consider when I am working with clients inside the PCOS pathway. So number one with PCOS and PCOS, whether or not you're planning for a baby, but of course this is very specific to being able to conceive naturally is are you ovulating or not? And I know that sounds really basic, but if you're not, then that is where we need to start and focus. We might include, of course, some of the other things that I'm going to talk about in this episode at the same time, but that 100% needs to be the focus because that is a roadblock for being able to conceive. So even if you have a period and even if it is regular, that doesn't mean you are ovulating. So you want to check if you are unsure. And the way that you can do this very accurately is to do some basal body temperature tracking. I have a previous episode on this. I also have tips on my Instagram. So go and have a look there if you're unsure how to do that. I'm not going to talk through that in this episode. But you want to identify if you are ovulating. If you are ovulating and you are sure of that, then great. The next thing that you can look at doing is actually checking your progesterone levels as well to ensure that you have adequate um, or hopefully more than adequate progesterone levels seven days after ovulation. So if you aren't ovulating, then this is the thing that you focus on. And then, of course, you would want to do some testing to find out why and what is the roadblock there hormonally or nutrient-wise that is preventing 
ovulation from occurring. So what we do inside the Peace First Pathway is basically put our little detective hat on and set to work working out why. Usually there will be some answers in testing that will help us to identify the reason why, and then we can get work to get to work on correcting that particular thing. Then the other thing to consider is optimizing for egg and sperm quality. Now I want to mention sperm quality because I think what I have seen is a real trend to, I mean, nowadays there is more of a focus on men's fertility. It is becoming more highlighted that it is definitely something that is almost becoming becoming an endangered species when we look at the declining rates of um, sperm quality and count. It is quite frightening. But what I have seen is that when my female clients have a known condition such as PCOS, there is less of a regard given to investigating the um, male uh, fertility side of things. And this is a bit of a problem, I think, because just because you have PCOS doesn't necessarily mean that uh, if there is a problem or, you know, if there is something to improve with with um, trying to conceive before that is is able to happen, it doesn't necessarily mean that the, the roadblock is you. <laughs> it could be that it's actually the male partner side of things that, that needs some work. And um, Similar to, I've spoken about, of course, blood testing many, many, many times and the issues that surround different reference ranges. But the thing to understand as well with uh, sperm quality is that even if you're doing the testing or getting standard testing through a doctor and they look at the results and say everything is fine, um, it doesn't actually mean that's the case because the standard reference ranges in Australia at least for checking sperm quality put men in the fifth percentile. And I don't know about you, but if I was male, I would certainly want my sperm to be higher than the fifth percentile. Um, So we want to be looking at Uh, better than average reference ranges because um, that is going to give you the best chance at trying to conceive. I'll give you a good example here. One of the markers in, this is just off memory, so I'm 95% sure that these numbers are correct, but one of the markers in the um, assessment of male sperm quality is morphology. So morphology is looking at basically the percentage of sperm that move that are correctly, basically correctly formed and in the right shape and moving correctly. Now, standard um, sort of reference ranges for this in Australia say that uh, 3% is normal. So basically 3% of the sample look normal. <laughs> uh, we would want really a minimum of 15%, which also isn't incredibly high, but goes to show uh why you can be told even when it comes to male fertility that results are fine when they're actually not. So we want to look at optimizing egg and sperm quality because in PCOS as well, um, it is common for egg quality to be affected, especially if there is an ongoing problem with high androgens that is being addressed, hopefully being addressed, because um, those high levels of androgens can definitely affect egg quality. Insulin resistance can affect egg quality as well. Um, So it is something that we want to proactively uh, work on. When we're looking at male fertility, we want to do a male hormone assessment and also a 
sperm analysis as well. Um, My recommendation would be to just get the testing done off the bat so that you know what you are working with. But of course, that isn't the approach that you have to take. You can look at just optimizing with a good prenatal, men's prenatal, and perhaps some um, sperm, some sort of generic sperm quality support, um, and also just optimizing for things like alcohol consumption, um, food quality, that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, we want to optimize health for both partners. The quality of the egg and the sperm are the very pivotal ingredients for being able to fall pregnant. Um, And hopefully we're doing some testing around both partners to identify what are the customized needs of each people. Uh, If that's not something that's available to you, then of course, a great starting point is including a good quality prenatal that contains folate, not folic acid. So no elevate, please. Um, number three that is really important with PCOS is to focus on blood sugar control. So blood sugar control is like the primary dietary cornerstone of PCOS as a foundation. And if you're not sure how to achieve that, then join the PCOS glow up. That's what it is designed to help you with. Um, But this is really important when it comes to pregnancy because it is how you can really proactively reduce your risk of gestational diabetes. If you have issues with insulin and that has been an ongoing issue for you, then there is a higher risk of gestational diabetes. It doesn't mean you will get a diagnosis of gestational diabetes. It just means that there is a higher risk but there's so much that you can do from a dietary perspective and even supplements to proactively reduce your risk before you fall pregnant and even while you are pregnant as well. Um, Number four is to focus on minimizing exposure to chemicals and toxins. There is emerging, you know, more and more research about this and showing that exposure to chemicals and toxins in utero can even affect the likelihood of the development of um, hormonal problems um, in people as they get older. So meaning that um, there is research showing that, uh, it's, I guess, hypothesized. So again, still coming out, still emerging, but basically when you are in mum's tummy being grown, her exposure to chemicals and toxins can affect your reproductive health as an adult, which is really, really interesting and eye-opening. And there are some really simple ways that you can do this. This whole topic is very, very overwhelming, but doing some simple things like examining your different products um, and looking at cleaner options for your beauty products, your home products, and just simple things like avoiding, um, you know, drinking from plastic coffee cup lids and those sorts of things can be really, really helpful as well. And even just reducing your food stored in plastic and anything that is heated in plastic. So no one heat up plastic containers in the microwave, please. Um, Those sorts of things can really make a difference too. And then number five is to check progesterone levels. So I alluded to this, um, but ideally you want to check progesterone levels seven days after ovulation, um, hopefully before trying to conceive just to check where your levels are at because if they're too low, then uh, it is something that we want to consider 
uh, and really focus on addressing because low progesterone can be, and I always want to be careful around my language around this because I never want to, you know, freak anyone out, but low progesterone can certainly be a cause of early pregnancy loss. Um, And we know that progesterone levels can be affected in PCOS. So it's just something that we want to check um, so that we can have awareness around where it's at and whether any optimizations are needed there. And then, of course, if you were to fall pregnant sooner to any optimizations being able to be made, you know, maybe there's a conversation there for your doctor around progesterone pessaries and those sorts of things. So we want to be proactively uh, aware of these things, especially if you, you know, have been working on your PCOS and you've only just gotten a period back and it's been months without it, or you've only just started ovulating again, then it's highly likely that your progesterone levels are going to need a little bit of support through supplements or additional nutrients in order to um, get to a level that is, you know, really optimal for that uh, trimester one pregnancy. So they are my tips. Um, I hope that that helps to give you some guidance around perhaps where to focus next. And also know that, um, you know, these things don't necessarily happen overnight. Like even if you implement a strategy to focus on improving egg and sperm quality, well, it's going to take at least three months to really have that effect because um, both the development of the egg and of sperm take approximately three months. Um, So there is a bit of a lag time in terms of implementation and actually seeing that downstream uh, outcome and change in results. But focus on working out whether or not you're ovulating. And if you are, then you can move on to some of the other things that I've discussed. And if you're not ovulating, then you really want to start and focus there. Um, that's it for this episode. If you found value in the episodes or you're liking the show, if you've ever found value in the episodes, I would be super, super, super grateful if you could leave me a rating and review. I really, really appreciate it. It takes like three seconds, even if it's just a rating. Um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it and we'll be reading them and thanking you. Um, thanks so much for your time and I'll chat to you next week. Before you go, a quick reminder that any information discussed on the PCOS podcast is general in nature, does not take into account your personal health circumstances, and of course, does not replace medical advice.